What is up, everyone? Episode 15 of the Vandy Blitz. We have the divisional round playoffs for the NFL, and we have the James Harden deal. We have a lot of things to talk about. We're not going to get political. That's not what we do here. We talk sports and have fun. I want to know what you guys think about this big James Harden deal, because that's the news I was looking at yesterday. Jacob, Joe, Theo, Ethan, what do you guys think? Sure. I think, I think we should just jump into it and first focus on Houston's side of the trade, because I think that's the one that's a little bit more uncertain and open to, I guess, uh, you know, perception differences between us. I think the Nets side of the trade is going to be interesting to talk about, but I think that, that we all agree that that puts them in an elite tier of NBA teams and that what we're going to talk about there is like how high the ceiling is, not if it's a team that can compete or not. Like, so, so looking at Houston, um, they got back the four draft picks, all unprotected, four unprotected draft swaps, Rodnians, Karuks, uh, Dante Exum, and Victor Oladipo, which, you know, isn't, isn't bad for a disgruntled star who made it clear that the team really, you know, he, he would not want to stay on the team. Um, you know, he was violating the health and safety protocols. He was going out to clubs. He was really not putting an effort there out on the court. And he was bringing that entire locker room down as evidenced by John Wall's interview and Boogie Cousins' comments and all that. Um, so getting rid of Harden is a positive to their team. Getting Oladipo is a positive to their team. And this draft capital is a huge positive to their team's future, which I think is the biggest part of this trade. I think this is sort of hitting the reset, you know, finally closing the chapter on the James Harden era in Houston, which was wildly successful in retrospect. You know, they were the only Western Conference team that really tried to compete with those Golden State Warriors the past couple of years while they were their dynasty. Um, so it was a really successful time. They averaged like 57 wins a season while he was there. But this is the end of that chapter. They repaired their draft pick situation that was so, you know, brutally battered by, by years and years of just trying to surround James Harden with anything that could get him to the championship. And now they have a team that I think can compete for a playoff spot while, you know, not necessarily jeopardizing their future. I do think Victor Oladipo, John Wall, and Boogie Cousins at the high end of their ceiling could compete for a low-end playoff spot, maybe the seventh or eighth seed in the West. I don't know if they're going to make it, but, you know, considering where the, where the Rockets were like two weeks ago, I don't think this is a terrible return. What do you guys think? So this is what I think. Yeah, sorry. I'll just say no, something. No. The NBA these days is so power-heavy. It's all about super teams. It just really bothers me. It feels like players don't stick with teams. But, Andrew, that's, that's the problem with this. Like, before this trade, there wasn't really a super team in this league, though, was there? No. And that's what Kevin Durant does. He's soft. He needs to win with other players. It pisses me off because at the beginning of this season, I was so, like, I was building up my respect for Kevin Durant, watching him come back from this Achilles injury. And I know this is not his fault. Obviously, this is not going to make me respect Kevin Durant less. But I wanted to see what the man could do. Like, you know, it's being beta, that guy on the team. It's a beta move. It's a complete beta move. Well, Michael it's not Jordan his move, never but do that. I agree. I agree. I, I think he had a say, and I just think it, it sucks that, you know, James Harden's, I mean, not James Harden, who is such a ball-dominant player, who takes so many shots, is now going to be coming to a team where we saw Kevin Durant being the second-leading scorer in the league, you know, looking good off this Achilles injury. So there, there, is, there is a little bit there where, like, I wish that we got to see a little bit more Kevin Durant not on a super team. So I, I agree with that one, Wolf. That, that's an upsetting thing. Yeah. No, it's definitely – It's uh, it reminds me of when we talked about um, Giannis and – how I was kind of saying, like, I would love for him to just stay in Milwaukee and see what can happen. And 
Maybe he won't win a ring. Maybe that won't happen. But if I think for me, like if I were in the NBA personally, I would, I would derive a lot more pleasure and feel more accomplished if I were able to stay at one team where I was drafted, for example, or let's just say traded to. And I was that superstar. I was that guy, that, that, that dynasty player that they wanted. And they built a team around me and I was able to do everything that I wanted to do there and maybe end up winning a ring. That would just be so much more accomplishing and being like Kevin Durant and getting traded around the league, like bing bong boom, like, oh, now you're with two other superstars. Like, it's Big shortcut guy. Like, yeah. But, I mean, guys, it's hard to put the burden of the responsibility on this one on KD, though. This one is, is all James Harden. This is James Harden, you know, giving up in Houston and, and finally, like, succumbing to that, oh, I'm going to go to a super team because that's how I'm going to win a championship. Yeah. I mean, my He's basically admitting was... he can't lead a team to, a, to the championship and confirming what everybody's been saying, you know, even though they've been good over the last couple of years, everyone's been saying this style won't win championships. The Rockets didn't flinch. Now you see how that bet didn't pay off. Their bluff, you know, didn't work. Harden is even addressing the fact that style probably won't win championships. Let me go team up with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, two other top 10 players in the league to, to create. You know, basically now we know, you know, it's probably going to be Nets versus uh, Lakers in the finals. But let's, I mean, do, do you guys want to say more about Houston or do you want to transition to the Nets side of this? Because I think the basketball talk there is pretty interesting too. Yeah, no, I, I think we should keep moving it forward. Um, just an aspect that I'm really excited to see on the court is actually the Pacers. I think that they, um, Oladipo really hasn't looked good on that team since that injury. Um, so I, I'm really excited about Levert being there. Obviously, make away with some drafts capital as well. Um, but just, I, I really want to see Karis Levert, say what you want, but he's, he's very capable of scoring. He's a bucket. And I think that'll... Yeah, he, he's a walking bucket, quite literally. And I think that's going to complement very well next to Sabonis, who's having, like, a really, really good year. Same with Brogdon. Really, like, that team yeah. – Pacers are dangerous, you know. They're a slept-on team continuously. They're, they're a dangerous team. They always find a way to do something in Atlanta. Um, but, Joe, I remember we were talking before the episode. What are your thoughts on Brooklyn and that big three? Well, I mean, like I said, you, you make this kind of trade where you give up a lot of your future – in the hopes of – because who gives, who really cares if you're giving up your future if you win a championship? I don't think that they're going to win it this year. I don't think this is the year it'll happen. I think that they got that you just they just lost two very legit players in Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen. And, you know, while they did gain some players, we, we like we said before, I don't think that the, the player capital is really where this, like, trade, like, comes into value. Like, like and I'm, but, like, what I, what I want to say is this. I think that – they could win it. They they could win. They they. I think that this is a good trade in, in the end. They're gonna it's gonna pay off for them. This year though, I'm not sure if it's this is gonna be the year where the Nets they make the trade and then bang, they win the finals. Like I just don't I see. think I think this year, it's gonna come down to the Nets and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. And I think the Bucks. You know, we always talk about the Bucks as the, the number one seed. We talk about are they gonna underperform? The narrative has changed, and I think this suits Giannis better. I think this suits their culture better. They are now the underdogs in the East because they have this super team that they have to compete against. Who's going to guard Giannis? Half an Achilles, Kevin Durant. Is DeAndre Jordan going to keep up with Giannis for 36 minutes? Who's going to guard Drew? Is Harden going to guard Drew on the perimeter? Is Kyrie? Is Kyrie going to be keeping up with all, their, all the tall guards in the Bucks? 
the matchup in the East is really interesting. And that's why, Joe, I, I could see them not winning it this year. But also, you've got to talk about the fact that sometimes in a talent-driven league like the NBA, talent just overcomes it. And when you have someone who averaged 36 points per game last year, Kevin Durant, probably one of the greatest scorers of all time, if not the greatest scorer of all time, just because he's seven foot, can shoot from anywhere, can dribble like a guard. And then you add on Kyrie Irving, who's literally has the best handles of all time, and Steve Nash at the helm. I don't see how this team, you know, isn't expected to get to the finals. I think their expectation should be finals or bust, but I do see how it doesn't happen because I think that Bucks matchup is, it, you know, you, you might say, oh, Nets are we're really going to win that one, but I think it's a little more sneaky than you think. Ethan. My question is, my question is sorry, Will, just one little thing. Yep. What roles, what, it's, it's easier to, to, to imagine a role, like the roles that we've seen this year out of Kyrie and, and, and KD in a tandem. But when you add James to that mix, and I know obviously everyone's questioning, everyone makes the assumptions like, there's only one ball. Like, who's going to, like, how are they going to, like, like – Dinwiddie they... and Lavert are gone, though. Dinwiddie's out for the season. Lavert's traded. Like, that's a lot of touches that can go to Harden. Plus, Ooh, they just lost Jared Allen. You know, they lost some offensive pieces. But I still think that there's going to be some role adjustment. And, honestly, I think we're going to see a lot more drama between James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Would I think you... that's going to be something that we're going to see. There's a guy like Jared Allen, for example, right? He's a big man. There's no – the production – like, his production doesn't get transferred to, like, James Harden. It'll be transferred to whoever their, their next center is. Like, it's just – I don't know. Like, we'll see how it goes. I, I mean, like, it's just going to be really interesting to see them all on the court at the same time. Like, Look, I'm not lacking anything about their skill. But have you ever heard Kyrie Irving, James Harden, or Kevin Durant described as leaders? I have, I've never heard that about any of them. And I think that's a big thing. They have no picks until 2028. They were – I'm just saying, this could be a Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. It could. Saga part two. I totally think that could happen. It could. It could be a history repeats itself moment, which would be incredibly ironic. But, you know, I, I also think we shouldn't worry too much, like, how are they all going to play? These are three players. It's a roster for – they're going to be able to stagger their minutes, make they're sure each of certain possessions – that's the, that's the aspect of this that I think could be problematic mostly is the locker room. We don't know where – we, honestly, we don't know what the fuck is going on with Kyrie Irving. Where is he? Like, we don't know. We just don't. And then KD's backing up Kyrie. KD has looked really professional this season to me. I've been impressed with the way that he's handled how Kyrie's, you know, handled himself with the burning the sage. And KD's like, whatever works for him, we're behind him. Then he takes his personal time. He's seen at birthday parties. He's, you know, not playing games. He's not even focused on basketball. So – Kyrie Irving's situation is very volatile right now. And then you add in another guy who wants all the shots, who thinks he's the best scorer, maybe the best three-point shooter, maybe the best ball handler on the team. And I think there's going to be problems in this locker room, but I don't think we're necessarily going to see those problems manifested in the way that you guys are rhetorically, you know, suggesting on the court. I think this team is still going to be able to win games, put up a lot of points on offense, stagger the minutes, make sure that they, you know, look impressive. But I think behind the scenes, there's going to be some shit going down. I would say yeah. one thing also is um, – and sorry, Theo, I'll, I'll get right back yeah. to you. But think about it like this. Kyrie, like, if we want to, like, go back a lot about Kyrie. Think about Kyrie, right? It's on the Cavs with LeBron. Feels a little overshadowed. Goes to the Celtics. And he realizes the one-man show where you're the leader, it's harder than you think. Like, it doesn't really work out always. Like, whatever. He's at, he, now he's with KD, and I think he acknowledges that he is not better than him. And I would say – I think he knows, like – it's 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 KD and Kyrie. It's not Kyrie and KD. Like, like even though Kyrie obviously is a great player, I take nothing away from him. But it's KD and Kyrie. 
how is he going to adjust to KD Harden and Kyrie? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is he going to be the third player? Is he going to be like, is he the third guy in the big three of it? Like, that's exactly right. Because we've seen in every single, this is just to, just to make your point a little bit stronger before we transfer to Theo Joe in every major, like successful big three, what do we see? We see with the heat, Chris Bosh, you know, takes a lesser offensive role, you know, checks his ego a little bit and plays his role excellently at a superstar level. That's what he does as that third option. But you know, he, he made that sacrifice. Same there thing was with the Warriors. Yeah, no, same, same. So I didn't hear what you said, uh, Wilf. What'd you say? I was saying with that big three, of course he's going to take it. LeBron's a great teammate. I've no, never- I'm just saying, I'm just saying in every big three that's ever worked in NFL and NBA history, someone has sacrificed. In the Warriors big three, you know, maybe Curry could have shot more. KD could have shot more. They're both capable of averaging more than 25 points a game, but they didn't. And, and then Clay's averaging 22, and then Draymond's averaging like a 10-point triple-double, and then they have even points going to the summer, center. So you have to play team-oriented basketball to win at the end of the day. Someone's going to have to make some sacrifices, and it's just going to be really interesting to see who's forced to be that odd man out. If it's Ky- Kyrie, we could see a lot of drama. If it's James Harden, we could see a lot of drama. If it's KD, we could see a lot of drama. So I feel like it's probably inevitable to see some drama out of this team just because of the personalities there. Um, but, yeah, there you go, Theo. Sorry, we'll, we'll stop interrupting you so much. <laughs> No, you're fine. I was just going to see if Joe, uh, if you had anything to finish from your previous point. No, nah, I'm just, nah. just curious to see what, like, like Wacker said, where the drama is going to flow. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I'm definitely interested to see how that works out. But one point that Wolf made, which kind of I disagree with, I, I don't think it's going to be at all similar to the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett situation and, Different levels, that's fair, but it's the same type of hype and big uh, risk. It could be. But, but, I mean, but it's not because because those two players were approaching the end of their careers. And no, I like, at least personally, I didn't really, I was I didn't look at that team and I was like, oh, they're like a championship team. I look at the team that's that's coming now. I'm like, yeah, this is a legit team. This is three legit superstars. Who's on their bench? Like, I don't know who's on their bench. That's what I was going to say. Dude, they have 30 – like, they have DeAndre Jordan playing center. He cannot guard any of the big men in the current NBA. And he's not the, he's not the rim protector that he was. Uh, I don't – I mean, there's problems with this team. And it could be a situation just like Andrew said because, I don't know, maybe, Theo, you didn't see it like that. But I, I remember the hype was insane. They were on magazine yeah, covers. It was. it was like, oh, the new Boston big three. Like, it was a big deal. And, and the Nets just got buried in a hole for years – finally dug themselves out of it with that D'Angelo Russell team and have just completely gone full bet, like all in again on these, on this three superstar model. So it could be, but I, I, again, I do see what you're saying because, you know, at the same time, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Paul Pierce, you know, old Kevin Garnett, you know, it's not the same. Listen, they, they, I'll, I'll give you some of their, some of their roster. I mean, they, they have pretty good squad depth. Andrew Jordan might not be that guy. I agree with you, Wacker, but they have, well, Dinwiddie's up for the season. They have Duran, obviously, Jeff Green, James Harden, Joe Harris, who can shoot threes, like, lights out. Harris is a bucket. Um, He's good. Who else? They have Landry Shamit, who a lot of people sleep on, but he actually is a good player coming off the bench. He can score. But, but again, he's he's a perimeter shooter. Like, are you kidding me? You think he's taking shots away from Kyrie, and you think he's guarding small forwards? He's a six foot three spot up three point shooter. His role on this team is gone. He has no more role. 
He is a free – he should be traded for a big man as far as I'm concerned when looking at the roster construction because he's a J.J. Redick archetype, and there's no room for that on this team anymore. Yeah. yeah. But I, I also think defensively they also have uh, Luau Cabarro, who actually played very well last season, I think it was. I had no clue who he was and watched a few Nets games, and I was like, wow, this guy's really good at defense. Like, he can definitely help out the team. So he – so – for what you're saying, Wacker, Landry Sham, it might not be that defensive guy, but they do have players like that who can be that person. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty much all I had to say. I just uh, wanted to, you know, offer my opinion. But we can, uh, we can go into the NFL now. We obviously got a very excited weekend coming up. So I just wanted to see, Jacob, what are your thoughts on this weekend? Who do you think is going to win? Take it away. Yeah, I thought uh, we could start with the first game, um, which is Saturday morning. We have the Rams and the Packers. Um, I, th- I think this is a really interesting game because you kind of have the best, uh, the best offense in the NFC versus the best defense in the NFC. And I really like those matchups when you have strength versus strength. Um, personally, I-, I-, I like the Rams in this one. Um, the underdog with the points, I mean, I think that Goff is – you know, we've seen the Rams make deep runs in the past. And I think that something about those two losses at the end of the season, one against the Jets, obviously, I think those really, uh, like, I think that was needed for the Rams to get on page. Um, so th- that's what I got for this game. Uh, Wolf, what do you think? And obviously, yeah, you're right. So the Rams have a lot of good things going on. I think their zone schemes and what Sean McVay is doing on offense is great, but they miss that guy like a Brandon Cooks. They don't get, like, freebies. They have to work for every touchdown they have. They don't have the same guys on the perimeter that they used to, and the Packers' defense has really improved. And one other thing I want to say is, in the cold, it's an L.A. team. I really think that Devontae Adams is just going to have a huge day. Robert Tonian, the running back, I think, the Packers win in a landslide. Look, I love Sean McVay. I love his schemes. But Jared Goff is very injured, and people don't realize it. He wasn't even starting last game. He kind of game-managed last game. They, the, the receivers were wide open because the Seahawks defenders were going in circles. I think, the Packers are, <laughs> I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC, obviously. And I think they win very easily. Yeah, and no, I, really I just scary. thought it was – it was also interesting how I watched the uh, the Rams, whoever their quarterback was, they had to go to the hospital. I was like, wow, this guy's actually not bad. Like, I feel like he could have, without even without Goff, I feel like he could have definitely put up a, a good fight against the Seahawks. I mean, also considering they have one of the, if not the worst defense in the league. But um, the plan. That was the plan. And then he just, like, literally died when he went to the hospital. But, like, <laughs> but, like, the thing is, like, I don't know. Like, like Jacob said, like these matchups are cool. Like great defense, great offense. It'll come down to, it'll come down to like a lot of things. I think the Rams are one of those teams that they'll play up to competition. They'll play down to competition. Like we saw with the jets, like. They're inconsistent. Like it's, it's, it's inconsistency, but it's consistency of playing up and down. How about that? Like it's, it's consistently being inconsistent. So will we see? Will we see that Rams team that plays that plays up to competition that spanked the Seahawks? Even though the Seahawks, I thought were always like we're not really that good this season, like in terms of like towards the end of the season. But like, 
We'll see. Is Jalen Ramsey going to lock up Devontae? Like, the only problem is that I see is that the Packers have so many weapons that it's like you've got Jalen Ramsey and he locks up DK and everyone's like, oh, my God. But, like, and then it's like obviously they got Lockett. But, like, outside of that, it's like who was Russell throwing to? Like, maybe yeah, I don't know. had the worst offense. It was, it was like, a very underratedly bad defense. Oh. Yeah, like, and, like, it's like who else is Russell throwing to? Um, It just doesn't really – like, who knows? Like, they've got – like, we know the Packers have a great running back in Jones. Like, We'll see if he like he catches it out of the feet backfield. Devontae's obviously a beast, but like like you said, like Tanyan is great in the red zone, um, and they've just got some great guys on the Packers. I, I don't know if they'll be able to stop them, but if Aaron Donald puts on a crazy performance and stops the run, and if they can get like if they can jump out to a lead, they're gonna need some defensive touchdowns this game if they want to win. That's all I'll say. The Rams. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm probably in the middle of all the opinions that are circulating around here, especially those first two between. Wolf and Jacob. Um, I think the Packers take this game, but I think it's close. Um, I think you're right, Joe, especially saying that the Rams play up to competition. Um, I mean, how can we count out this team? You know, they've been consistently, you know, contenders for a while aside from a couple of, you know, years where we, we, we ruled them out because they weren't that good, but they're a great team. They're a great franchise, great coach, but I think Aaron Rodgers is just consistently that good. I think this, this Packers offense is just too good. For, for this Rams defense to completely shut down because they're the number one defense, but if they played the Packers every week, they would not be the number one defense because um, the Packers are just a different kind of offense, especially with that man, Aaron Rodgers, throwing the ball like he has this season. So I think the Packers take this game, and I think it's pretty close, but I think it goes their way. Yeah, and uh, another game I, I want to just jump to real quick is I think this is the most exciting game of the weekend. It's the Ravens going to Buffalo. I think they're just uh, – you're going to say Saints-Bucks, obviously, the two goats. But I'm so excited for Saints-Bucks, just even, even just because of that storyline, because of Breeze versus Brady. I'm going to watch every second of that game. Bills-Ravens, to me, is just, it's just the future. They're, they're both on rookie deals, so, the, so their roster is so good with that amazing level they're, they're on. Quick thing about rookie deals, the four quarterbacks, Goff, Mayfield. Jackson and Josh Allen golf gets the deal next year, but it's really hard to be really good in the league with a quarterback with a big deal. Unless, uh, unless you're a goat like Brady and Rogers, but to digress, I think the bills and Ravens game is going to be really cool. It's going to be a run heavy game is my prediction. And I think the Ravens will pull it out just because I, I think Lamar Jackson is really, really hot. Last week was just Awesome. I'm all on the Bills Mafia this year. I love the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs oh, partnership. I, I just – I think that team deserves it, and I think they want it more, honestly, than the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson looks hungry. Um, but this Ravens team, like throughout the season, we talked about, they don't beat good teams that consistently. This is not a team that throughout the season we were consistently impressed with. And that's I'll something that's important they to remember. Proved, they proved me wrong last week. That's the thing. But Will. I mean, but did they? They played the Titans, who were the same matchup last last year in the playoffs. Like, this is a redo for them. Uh, the Titans were not the same. They I mean, not, not, not the same, but, like, the same team matchup. That, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys think that the Ravens, you know, proved at the end of the season that they're that caliber of team that, that can go all the way in the playoffs. I think that this is the ceiling of their playoff run. I might be wrong, but the regular season demonstrated to me that the Bills, the Ravens, different calibers of teams, at least just through how they played throughout the entire months of the season. So I think the Bills take this also, one behind Josh. I also, I also think that the Ravens just, like, crank it up when it comes to playoffs. Like, I don't 
obviously last year was a different story with that whole was it the Titans that they lost to right away? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just think this year they they I agree with you, Wacker, and and we'd all been saying it. They were kind of inconsistent throughout the season. They didn't ever really beat that team that would have proved to us and had us all saying, yeah, yeah, the Ravens are that team. But I do think they're like, all right, we're in the playoffs now. It's time to lock in. Like, let's go. Let's do this thing. I so just I think I think that's going to happen. And I think they're going to go to, to Buffalo. And Lamar's going to be like, I went out way earlier than I should have last year. I'm not doing this shit again. Like, let's go. Let's turn it up. Um, See, the reason, the reason that I it's, – it's an interesting narrative for sure. We haven't seen that from Lamar. He doesn't have a career where we know that he goes to the playoffs and turns it up. This is all rhetoric. This is all narrative. That's my point. How can you say the Ravens, these Ravens are a team that turn it up in the playoffs when the only time we've seen this team in the playoffs, they lost in their first game coming but, off an MVP season where they had all the hype. And now they're playing a team that was better throughout the season. And the justifications that I'm hearing for why the Ravens are going to win is because it's narrative. It's because they improved throughout the season and they had a really impressive That's running last game. Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, continue yeah, the then. Only, so, so, no, no, no. Ethan, I think you're wrong. That, that's not the only way that the Ravens win. The Ravens win because they have one of the most dominant run games in NFL history. And they will use that. Like, like – Lamar Jackson and just the power running back combination of like Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins is so dominant. And they, they really just break down these teams in the second half of games. And I think you're going to see it again with the Bills. And I'm, I'm calling it right now that whoever wins this game is going to win the AFC championship game. I'm selling on that one with Chiefs. I like that hot take. I like up. that hot take. I'm buying up whoever wins this game to make it to the AFC, to, to make it to the Super Bowl. What's interesting though is that so Wilf, you said this is going to be a run dominant game. But right. Why do we? What is your reasoning for that? Because like I'll, I'll tell you what. Yeah, we're sleeping on the we're we're just sleeping on the Bills. Uh, not only the Bills just their rush the offense, game. how they can compete, how long they can 100%. control protection. but so much like they're not a terrible defense either. And I think that they have like. Maybe not more big play potential. Maybe that's not the way to say it because Lamar can bust out a 50-yard run on any given drive. But from game, from play to play, like the Bills have more of a chance to score on each play. And that's just okay. – I think they're this, this is what I think. What were you saying? I just, I just want to say one thing. I was watching the game with Wilf, the Bills-Colts uh, game. The Bills' offense at times looked very, very sketchy. Where I was like – Sluggish, honestly. Playoff team. But then at other times they looked insane. So, I don't know. So this is the way I feel about the Ravens. I think that, like Jacob was just mentioning the running backs, Mark Ingram, their team is so good, he was a healthy scratch on Sunday. You know how rare that is? A former pro bowler is the third, sorry, fourth string running back behind, wait, Gus Edwards, Hill, and J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. Obviously the Bills are going to be passing, but I was more saying that the Ravens, will be running down the Bills throughout the whole game. I don't think the Bills' interior linemen are that good. And I just – they're a fun team. They're a really fun team. I love the Bills. But I just don't see them making a big, long stretch in the playoffs this year. I just don't I just, think they have that experience. What's interesting about this – I don't know. There's also a major there's, – there's a, there's a forecast for a lot of snow. This could, be, this could possibly be, like, 
one of those snow games like in Buffalo. That would be sick. And it would be, I think, also like a legacy thing because what happened last year in the playoffs to Josh Allen too? Josh Allen lost in his playoff debut against the Texans. So this is like both of these quarterbacks are sort of on their revenge playoff campaigns. But I don't know. The Bills haven't been there in so long. This is their first win since when? 1998 in the playoffs? Is that is that my right there? Uh, around there, yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. This team is riding a high right now. And based off the season, I just have seen more credible, tangible football that I think is more impressive from the Bills than I have from the Ravens. So – I don't know. Maybe I'm, what is it? I'm four to one outnumbered here, right? I mean, the Bills are supposed to win. Oh, I, I have the Bills also, so I don't know what these. Okay, so okay, so we're three to two. Bills. All right, Joe. I, I think we got this one. I do. Um, but you know, in I don't want to spend too long on one game though, because I think another really interesting game to talk about is the goat matchup. You know, we, we everybody knows that this game is happening. It's the Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus New Orleans Saints. What do you guys think? Yeah, if, if you don't mind, I just have one more thing to add to that Ravens-Bills game, and then we can sure. go ahead. I just – it's interesting to look at the injury report real quick because Marcus Peters is currently listed as questionable. He's a huge part of the Ravens' defense. He's probably their best cornerback, I would say. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Marlon Humphrey. Uh, what? Yeah, he's a pillar. He's a pillar on their defense, though. Okay, okay. best cornerback was a stretch, but he definitely is a part of their defense that's important, I think. But he's going to play. No, he's going to play. Like, yeah. And then, but then also Zach Moss for the Bills is injured, is on the IR. So, but like, like we were saying, the Bills are a passing team. Like, that's just who they are. Um, so, I don't know how much those different potential injuries are going to affect the game. But, um, no, yeah, let's move on to that Saints-Bucks game. Yeah, so this is the, the third time we're going to see this matchup this season. Um and, and yeah, I, I, uh, the Saints have just looked so dominant the past two times they've played this game. Um, I, I, personally, I can't see Brady losing three games to, to the Saints team. I think that their offense has been really hitting it off in the past three weeks. Obviously, like, they haven't played great competition outside of, I guess, the, the Washington football defense, but um, – I think that the Buccaneers are going to roll. We're going to see, we're going to see Brady in the NFC Championship game. And this is what I hate I, on social media. Just real quick, everyone is like Tom Brady's sick. The past five games, he's played the Falcons twice, the depleted Vikings defense, the deple- depleted Lions defense, and the football team. Look, Brady's goaded. He really is. But Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan. The four D linemen and Saints will be just giving him a headache the whole game. And I think the Saints I think the Saints will win by a touchdown. It'll be a fun game, but I just think the Saints are a better team and this is too much work for grading. So I don't think that that necessarily that argument, oh, he's played shitty teams is a good argument. Because what is he supposed to do? Not play fucking amazing against these teams? No, he's Tom Brady. He's gonna he's gonna stat pad against these teams because it's what he's doing. That's why he's winning. We expect him to. So I don't know necessarily if if that argument's the best one, but I do agree that this Saints defense is more dangerous than anything he's faced in the last while, but also he's been building momentum. This team is building momentum. They have an upwards trajectory. And I don't know what it is. I just feel like in the playoffs, Brady just refuses to lose. Like, this is what makes him the GOAT. 
right? It's not that he's the fastest quarterback, not that he's that got the strongest arm ever. It's that he's got something in his brain, some kind of mentality that just makes him win games when it matters. And I think that this is, you know, first season on a new team away from Belichick. Belichick didn't make the playoffs. Patriots look tough. This is a kind of, this could add to his legacy. This could be a big legacy year for Brady if it goes well. And I think he's going to force it to at least in this game. And I think that the Bucks beat the Saints. Well, Breeze is no slouch either. We need to remember that. So. Breeze is no slouch, but also Breeze had a punctured lung halfway through this season and has not been throwing like Brady. That's what but, I'll say. You know, but will Brady's mentality translate to all the other players on the team at the same time? I don't see – listen, I think the same thing as Jacob said. It's like almost like ridiculous to think that Brady would lose to the same team three times in one season. Like, you just think, like, that would never – that just would never happen. But, like, you look back, Saints beat them 38-3 to last time they met. It was a closer game week one. But you got you to think about it. The Saints defense is legit. They are a good defense, and they have a pretty good offense too. If the, Saints can mat, if the Saints can get some production going on offense during this game and get, to, get out to a little bit of an early lead, I don't know. We'll see. Is Brady going to – Brady can make mistakes. You know, the Bucks have been building momentum. I give them that. But we had seen many times in this season, if we want to look back to their resume – where they were, where they just collapsed against good teams at certain points. And they well, just- then let's talk about one of those games just before – really quickly, I want to address one of those – because I think the Chiefs game is a good example of that, where their, their defense collapsed. Tyreek Hill puts up, like, ridiculous numbers receiving against them, and they go in a hole early. Then what happens? Tom Brady fights it till the end, and they almost win that game because that's what Tom Brady does when he's the leader of an offense. So yeah. I feel like – I don't think this team is going to collapse badly enough for like that offensive, like, I don't know, that special X factor, that connection with his receivers, that mentality. And I do think it's contagious to the offense. I do think it is. And I think that's why we saw the Patriots be so good for so long. I don't think, I don't think it's, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I think the, the Bucks win this game. I don't think that they're that whole, yeah, I, cause I do think you, you're right, Joe, that they have, sometimes a tendency to just give up so much, like let the other team go on a run, but I don't think it's enough to sink them right here. No, I think uh, that's a good point, Ethan, but I would have to disagree. I mean, I don't feel, I don't think I feel strongly either way. I'm just excited to watch this game, but I, throughout the season, as I've watched the Bucks, even though they're led by, by Tom Brady, I don't think that they've really impressed me that much. Um, and I think the Saints have way more than the, than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. And, I, like, I couldn't really get, go into specific, specifics on these two teams because I don't know them that well. But the Saints, for me, are a very good football team all around. Yeah, Breeze maybe is not as good as Brady. Yeah, Brady knows what he's doing in the playoffs. But the Buccaneers, like, it's not the Patriots team with Belichick as the head coach. Like, it's different. I th- and, I think, and I think that Brady knows that, and I think he's going to try to prove everyone wrong because there are people saying, like, oh, the Saints are going to roll. Like, the Saints are going to take this one. But I don't know. For me, I just don't see that happening. I see the Saints winning this game. I think it will be decently close. But, I mean, given that the spread is only Saints minus three. But, no, it's definitely going to be an interesting one. So, I think we're going to move on to the uh, Browns. Even though it, it is something to watch. Yeah. No, so. Um, now let's move on to the game where will the Browns do it again or will they not? They are 
what underdogs by like 10 points. And look, the Chiefs are a great team. The Browns are a great team. But what Bill Callahan did last week without Kevin Stefanski, going up 28-0, those plays. Look, I never was the biggest Baker guy, but if you put the pieces around him and you give him a good game plan, he has a good shot. I don't love the Chiefs defense. I always go back to the Falcons game. Like, they always edge out a game because teams are, like, scared of the Chiefs. The Chiefs are insane. Mahomes is insane. But this game will be a way closer game than expected. And I think the Chiefs win by, like, a field goal. And the Browns put up a very, very good fight due to the Browns' offense. Can I just say something real quick? I agree. Browns look. It's real quick. All I wanted to say was the whole season, I think we were all in agreement. At least I definitely know that I personally was saying that the Steelers were a fluke team. And I was literally like, yeah, I'm expecting this to happen. Like, the Steelers are not going anywhere in the playoffs. And the Browns proved that to me. Um, but that's pretty much all I had to say. Wacker, go ahead. Good. Yeah, go ahead, Dio. Yeah, um, that actually feeds into my point, um, Theo, because I think we all were saying that. You know, we were like, oh, this is kind of a shitty, underrated, I mean, undefeated team when they were 11-0. and um, Maybe not crappy, but, like, you know, in not, the, not the powerhouse that we expected, and the Browns knocked them off. The Browns are not a bad team, but the Chiefs are not the Steelers. Like, this is a team that has continually shown that they're at the top of this league for a reason. Patrick Mahomes is, you know, the top paid quarterback in the history of the NFL for a reason. You know, they have two of the top five receivers for a reason. And they also have Le'Veon Bell. Like they also have an incredible, like their offense is just so overpowered. And I think that the Browns offense is not on the same level. And I think the Chiefs can hold that Browns offense, even though it it does have have its moments. I think the Chiefs can hold that offense enough to give the Chiefs offense the edge. And I think the Chiefs win by a touchdown or 10 points. Yeah, I I agree. Oh, sorry, Jacob, just one second. Um, The one thing I would say to Wilf, where he's like, where he was talking about kind of like, you know, the Browns went up 28 to zero in the first quarter, like, like, and and I think they played a really good game, but it's pretty easy to do that when there's like, what, three turnovers in one quarter, one of which was for a touchdown, like, the Browns, the Browns did a great job of capitalizing on the turnovers that occurred. Later in the game, though, there was there. I mean, like, I mean, obviously, you're up by so much that, like, I understand you kind of were playing more of a prevent defense and stuff. Maybe like that's what happened. But I don't know. I, I could definitely see the Chiefs like absolutely manhandling the Browns. Olivier Vernon wasn't even playing, and I have to just say real quick that it's really frustrating that people are like putting labels on the Browns 28-0 first quarter lead that's only happened twice in playoff history so that's my argument yeah Yeah, it is context is important though and you know that that it it is important to to preface how they got that 28-0 lead it is impressive but I don't think it's I think the context is important because that's not going to be replicated that's the reason that context is important because that's not going to happen against the Chiefs Chiefs I don't think there's like in even a chance for that to happen against the Chiefs. So that's the only reason why we're pushing back against it, not trying to take away necessarily from the impressiveness of it. Yeah, I, no, like, like most of you, I was impressed with the Browns last week. I didn't expect them to do that. But at the end of the day, like you guys said, the Steelers are not the Chiefs. Um, and the Chiefs are going to embarrass the Browns, I think, pretty easily. 
Um, All right. I mean, well, we, we got it in. Uh, we've covered a lot of sports today. This is on the longer end of our recent episodes. So thank you guys for hanging in. And if you're still watching now, then wow. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about sports for pretty much an hour. Uh, stay tuned. We got some big things coming. We're going to take a brief hiatus and then resume. Come at you full force when the semester starts. We're going to have big things coming in the spring. So be ready. Um, yeah, but, but for now, thank you so much for watching. Stay tuned. Subscribe. Thanks, everyone. Before Wacker cuts me off like a bitch, let me just add my opinion. Uh, oh, shit. My bad, dude. I thought we all get – you gave it, right? No, it didn't. I, I added a little side piece, but, you, no, I mean, it's the same opinion that everyone has. The Chiefs are going to win this game. Um, the Browns, yeah, they were impressive last week, but they're not going to really challenge the Chiefs too much, in my opinion. So, that, that minus 10 is looking real nice, and I might have to indulge, but who knows. Thank you. All right, now I feel bad, Theo. You do the, you do the new outro. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> no, I, I need you to do it. I feel terrible. Take us out, Theodore. Yeah, okay. So, no, thank, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you've already heard Ethan give the outro, but no, we're going to take our, our hiatus until the 25th. I think our classes start of January, so. There won't be too much content from now until then, but um, from then until May, I'd say, we're going to be going full force, just producing a lot of good content, uh, focusing on basketball, maybe d dip into hockey a little bit. Yes. I've been waiting to get into UFC, so we'll More be interviews. with a lot of stuff. And just make sure you stay tuned and subscribe to the YouTube and keep listening. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. Let's ride! Yeah. <laughs>